on episode nine of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about water and artificial intelligence with Yaron Decian from Wint Water Intelligence. The InsureTech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives with our own research and development team into technology that we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. All right, all right, all right. What a great day to talk about insurance technology and geek out. I'm your host, James Benham, the insured tech geek, and geeking out for another week. And this week on a topic that I didn't expect to be so interesting. You know, I'd heard statistics that um, electricity, 30% of electrical usage in buildings was uh, from, from uh, passive load, you know, things that are plugged in that aren't turned on. But I had no idea how much water is wasted in buildings and, of course, causes billions and billions and billions of dollars of damage. And just the per claim damage cost of water is just amazing. And the technology that's being used is is really staggering. And so this week, we've got a phenomenal interview talking all about water, artificial intelligence, the use of software and hardware sensors, and the use of machine learning to look at flow water flow and tell a building owner if they've got an issue and how all that ties back into insurance and loss reduction and how just it's just an exciting topic so i'm really excited about this week's podcast and i hope you enjoy it as much as i did and i'm here today with yaron decian chief product and strategy officer of went water intelligence joining us from tel aviv israel yaron thank you so much i know it's a little bit late there in uh, tel aviv appreciate you joining us today Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, on the InsureTech Geek, we love talking about technology for the insurance business. We love geeking out on all kinds of hardware and software. I'm a lifelong software developer. A lot of our listeners are lifelong technologists, and we really geek out on this. But before we jump into geeking out on water and how the massive multi-billion dollar impact a little old trickle of water can have, uh, let's talk about you for a second, because you have an interesting background. You're born and raised in Israel. You did three degrees over there. You served in the Israeli Air Force, which, you know, I, I just want to pause for a second, talk about the Israeli Air Force, because the amount of technology I've seen commercialized out of the Israeli Air Force has been staggering. And the amount of holographic displays they've been working with and augmented reality and just it's just, every time I see something commercialized out of the Israeli Air Force, I'm like, wow, these guys really are are advanced. And it looked like you you actually got a chance when you were in the uh, Air Force there to work with some pretty neat technology. That is absolutely correct. Uh, it, it's not Israeli Air Force alone. Uh, Israel in general um, has become a hub for technology. Um, you'll find technology coming from Israel into every aspect of your life, from the uh, discon key, which was invented here. Uh, Ethernet switches, uh, and, and many other things. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's an exciting uh, time to be doing uh, technology and especially uh, uh, startup technology out of here. 
yeah, every when, VC in the world is putting their their hands into Israel. And most large companies, including, by the way, you know, big insurers, uh, if you look at Swiss Re or Munich Re or many of the other uh, uh, very large insurers in the world, they have presence here with the goal of identifying startup companies that build technology that could help them improve the business in various ways. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite technology to work with when you're in the Air Force? Oh, wow. I loved electro-optics. Uh, you know, obviously, I can't say a whole lot, but <laughs> electro-optics is, is uh, you know, is a passion of mine. That's what I did my master's in, and light is kind of a wonderful thing. Uh, it's, it's interesting scientifically, and uh, it can do, you know, it, it, so many interesting things. And, and so many things we still haven't tapped into, right? I mean, we still haven't figured out the power of the photon and of light. I, I feel like there's just this massive untapped well of discovery that we just haven't found yet when it comes to, to, to light field technology. Oh, no doubt. I don't know if you know, but uh, the inventor of the laser said, hey, here's a cool invention that will never have any real impact in the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we can't live without lasers today, right? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're absolutely critical. I, I remember when, uh, when, when laser point-to-point -point bandwidth came out and... Uh, yeah. You know, it was like, wow, that that's just amazing. I remember, you know, when, when fiber optic connectivity came out and you're just, you know, projecting, you know, obviously light through a strand of glass. Light fields are, are really, really, really interesting and in, I've, and in, in light in general. Uh, so it's, it's really cool that you got to, to, uh, to go into that at such an early age. And, and obviously it had an impact on your education and, uh, in your career since then. So you, you've had a pretty neat career where you've gone between Israel and Silicon Valley. Uh, you've worked uh, all over the the uh, the business from Mercado, who I, I remember Mercado uh, software. I, I started writing software in '91, and uh, got really involved in in tech in the mid '90s. I remember Mercado. You worked there for a while, then went to Wavion, then you ended up in the security business at uh, RSA uh, back in Israel. Tell me what what that was like. Uh, you did a, about five years in the security business. Actually, it was 10 years. It was five years uh, in a startup called Sayota acquired by RSA, and then another five years in a startup called Trustier acquired by RS, uh, by, by IBM. Sorry. So the second one was acquired by IBM. And uh, it was an interesting time. You know, we did cyber warfare during these times when people didn't really know the terms. You know, today everybody knows how to talk about it and understands it. But at this time, we were in both companies. I was actually helping... Uh, uh, protect banks from uh, cyber attacks intended to steal money from their customers' bank accounts. Uh, we could talk for hours about that in a different podcast. Doesn't get much more important than that, does it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Water is more important than that. You know, banks <laughs> there you lose go. Some money. It's a cost of doing business. If we don't have water, we're all going to die. So I actually. Uh, yeah, I think water is more important. There you go. There you go. Well, that's a, a bigger perspective. But, you know, data security, of course, has become a huge topic. Back in 2000 and 2001, I was paid to write security papers on vulnerabilities and exploits back when I was an intern. And then when I uh, went full time, was also paid to, to break into systems and then, uh, and then fix them. Right. So just ba basic penetration testing. And uh, my, my favorite system to break into was always the HR system. Because it had all uh -huh, the, it, yeah. it had all the really juicy bits, and I would uh, try and go change the title of the HR director to something absurd just to prove how insecure their uh, their system was. 
And so, so you know, security uh, really weighs in our minds, and there's huge potential losses. It's a it's a hot topic with insurers. Uh, for sure as well, and their cyber lines, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're actually here to talk about water because it's also a major source of losses for insurance companies. What led you from security into water? So in general, along my career, I always chose areas that included, uh, I think, three important aspects, important to me. One was uh, you know, interesting technology, cutting edge technology that other people didn't have, a big business opportunity, and the opportunity to do something good. And where these things combined, I went there. Uh, so it's a new challenge, a new something interesting to do. Um, so going into water, I saw these opportunities or, or these three, uh, these three attributes of the business. So one, water is a real problem today in the world in the sense that the world is running out of it. Um, if you look at the New York times, I think last week, they're talking about a huge shortage all throughout India. Uh, there are articles and research pieces about lack of water in London, of all places, uh, and many other places. So it's it's a global issue, partly driven by uh, climate change and partly by human factors. So that's one problem. Insurance companies uh, are suffering massive damages from water leaks in buildings. So I've, I've spoken to practically every large insurance company in the world, tens of them. Uh, they've seen claims uh, from $110 million for a single water leak in a building uh, down to, you know, if you talk about a $20 million leak, you know, your, your, uh, your, your typical insurance company has seen multiple of those. And the problem is you don't, well, not the problem, but the reason it's not so visible is water leak is kind of a quiet thing. You know, something breaks inside the building and water starts gushing through the building and it causes massive damage, unlike a fire that nobody sees. So, you know, those were the big challenges related to water. Uh, I also saw a technology that's very unique in its ability to solve the problem. And practically every building in the world has this challenge. Every building in the world it has water flowing in it in pipes that are not that reliable and is at the risk of damage. And so a huge business opportunity. So all three factors that I care about merged here and I joined. That's amazing. And you, <laughs> the numbers you just presented are, are staggering. And I'll, I'll admit water damage, because we, we do a lot of insurance technology development work over in the work comp space. We also do property and casualty and you, you hear about wind damage and you know water, fire. You, you often hear statistics about more damage in a fire being caused by the water that's used to put the fire out uh, <laughs> than, than the fire in some cases, right? Um, I mean, water is, a, is an incredibly destructive force, but you don't add up those numbers to a you know, $100 million claim, a single claim from a single leak. That just seems almost incomprehensible, but the reality is it's true because the amount of damage it wreaks on electronics, on HVAC systems, on walls, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing uh, how much damage uh, there, there is. And it's interesting, too, that you've stitched together um, two really important causes. First, the the bottom line for insurers and for property owners, right? Because even though you have insurance on something, when you have a you have a major water event, you have a lot of damage. It's going to have a material impact that even your insurance doesn't cover, right? The the disruption factor of a water event is just staggering, right? That's exactly right. There's disruption to the business. There is reputational damage. Uh, there's productivity damage. All these things are never covered by insurance. And 
moreover, even if they were all covered by insurance, you still don't want the headache. You don't want your building to be inoperable for two weeks now and to have to restore everything regardless of cost. So, yeah, it's, it's a big, big uh, uh, potential for risk and pain. Yeah, and it's not all the time in business where you can solve a big problem for people's bottom line, both owners and you know the insured and the insurer, but and also solve a major societal problem, right? <laughs> like, think about how many times in business when you're solving a big problem for society and solving a big problem for businesses and owners. But that this exactly. Is, but this is actually the case here. It, it's it's almost like electricity. I was at a a construction conference where they said that 30% of a building's electrical load is passive load, meaning stuff that's plugged in and turned off. And if you think yeah. about the drain on society that is, that a third of our consumption potentially, potentially could be cut by changing the type of plug to a smart plug that shuts off when it has a passive device that's not trying to pull power plugged into it. I mean, that's, 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 um, that's amazing, right? I mean, they, they, these are, huge numbers and when you look at the not just the financial cost of water leaks but the societal cost of leaking fresh water um i i think of that every time i go into one of those um you know bathrooms where they have uh toilets or urinals that don't uh, don't flush right and i'm going why does anybody because they work great right i'm sure you've seen these they, they work wonderfully and they save enormous amounts of water and you, then you ask yourself, why doesn't everybody use these? Exactly. And, you know, your example in electricity is almost identical to the issue uh, of, of water waste. If practically every building you look at is wasting approximately 25% of its consumption to stupid little things or big uh, or stupid big things uh, and, and causes of waste. So I'll give you an example. We all go occasionally into a, a restroom and look at the toilet bowl, and it's kind of a little wet. That little wetness that we see is the, uh, the seal that probably costs 50 cents, not sealing weld. Except that for those 50 cents, if you think of a building where one toilet bowl at every point in time is leaky, which is actually much, much lower than the average, then that costs the building owner $10,000 in water per year. Wow. The multipliers, depending on the cost of water, that's about what it costs them. Some situations that we've seen where water-consuming equipment, such as a cooling tower, part of the air conditioning system, kind of a technicality, but uh, that device uses a lot of water. We have customers where water from those devices was, was being wasted at a rate of around half a million dollars a year, over $1,000 a day of water going down the drain because of a mechanical malfunction that people are not aware of. And when we go in, we identify this problem and we let them know and they fix it within a, an hour of work and $50 of, of parts. So $50 of, so, of uh, parts and $100 of labor and you solve a half million dollar problem. Oh, and by the way, a bunch more people will have drinking water in the city? Exactly right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because when you look at the societal problem with water, let's just set insurance aside for a second because insurers right now are salivating going... Dear God, we can save our buildings, right? Because you know, loss control is always top of mind for insurers. They they would rather not have the loss in the first place, <laughs> and the the facility owner as well. Aside from the reputational damage and lost time of a actual event that causes damage and prevents utilization, just their operational losses of of running the building can be significantly reduced. Uh, it's it's fa isn't it interesting that the 
that the water and electric number is almost the same. Thirty percent of of electricity is wasted, and about twenty five percent of water. It is interesting. Yeah. And you, you, I, I, but there's a huge waste numbers. They're massive. It's not like it's one or two or three percent. We're talking about a third, a fourth, colossal, colossal percentages. So what? Technology and, and you know, look, you, you, there's a lot of people over in Israel too, and the Middle East, uh, the you know the surrounding nations around Israel that are looking at massive desalinization efforts to try and desal the ocean so they can have more drinking water. That's one way to use technology to tackle the problem of drinking water. I've also seen some interesting projects from your neck of the woods around billboards that actually convert moisture in the air into drinkable water. So there's a lot of technologists putting their mind to work at generating more drinking water, right? And I'm sure you've seen a lot of these same experiments. What technology goes into WENT that helps it identify these problems? So the core technology that we use at WENT is all around understanding water in a pipe. And we do this by looking at, uh, at the water flow with very, very high time resolution. Uh, some of our devices will measure millisecond resolution at the water flow rate. And when we look at that, we then look at it, we think of it as a signal, as you would a radar signal or you know, a light signal. We look at the signal and we analyze it essentially using three core technologies. Uh, the first is signal processing. So we process the signal for various attributes. We then apply artificial intelligence and machine learning to learn uh, what is normal, what is abnormal to compare to known issue patterns. Like, you know, here's a pattern for a pipe that is about to implode. Here's a pattern for a leaky toilet and so on. And we also use statistical analysis to perform all sorts of comparisons and, and build knowledge about what is good behavior and what is bad behavior. Uh, and once we use this technology, we can identify things like a pipe imploding in a wall or like a misbehaving uh, uh, water using uh, device like a cooling tower and so on. Uh, so those are really the three pillars. Uh, there are all sorts of additional technologies around it, but that's really the core and the brains and the things that make us unique. I'm guessing that you have to uh, place these sensor networks and i'm looking at your website at a at a device that i'm i'm assuming is placed at multiple points through the building so you can narrow down where the leak or the issue is that is correct we will deploy multiple units in a building uh typically one per floor and then a few others in key locations okay and do you are you also using dry wet sensors that go on floors in typical leak areas so you can identify as water if water is making its way to a dry wet sensor you know we keep getting asked this question and the answer is that is such a commodity uh, that we can provide it to our customers the reality is it's you know it's very ineffective technology this is like I don't know 1950s technology yes you know if there's enough water on the floor and it happened to get to my sensor then I now have have an alert that I've, you know, that I'm, <laughs> I've been hit. Uh, it's, it's a post-mortem alert. Um, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Congratulations. You just had a problem by the way that, <laughs> that happened historically. Yeah. In, in, right. Instead of saying, Hey, you've got, you're, you're about to have a significant issue. You have, you have a misbehaving device. How do you narrow that down though? Let's say you've got it one per floor. How do you narrow it down to the cooling tower or a toilet? So you do that by looking at the pattern. You compare the pattern to patterns of similar, uh, though not identical, devices. So when our, let's say our facility manager in a building gets an alert because the toilet is leaky, he will get an alert saying, uh, on the fourth 
floor, you have a leak from uh, a toilet bowl. And so they'll go to the four toilet bowls in the building and take a look at the one that's leaky. Or it'll say, you know, your cooling tower has now gone to a base consumption of something, which means you have a problem with your X part of the system. Or it'll say, you know, we just shut the water off because there was a pipe imploding on the fourth floor. That's amazing. I mean, so you've identified what at a main level, like at a at a at a floor main, you've identified that a toilet water leak looks like this. It's a tiny trickle of water and it behaves in this way. It's constantly running and it's a very small amount. Is that is that roughly what you're doing? You're doing like flow and pattern analysis? That's exactly right. You look at the pattern and the pattern for a leaky toilet is one thing. A pattern for a pipe <laughs> imploding is different. And a pipe for a valve problem in your swimming pool is different again. And so we know what these patterns look like. We've mapped many, many of them, and uh, we can identify what it is. That is absolutely brilliant. And you're using, you're, you're improving your model. So you're using some machine learning model. I'm guessing you probably don't want to disclose which one it is. And you're training this model. Is this a laser uh, sensor or an optical sensor that's looking at uh, water flow and, and patterns? So we're actually very flexible. We will use uh, most commercial uh, flow meters. We have specific ones that we think provide better information and we prefer to work with them. But it could be as simple as your water meter uh, from your uh, municipality or an advanced uh, ultrasonic meter. Uh, And and these could be inline or they could be uh, external to the pipe. So multiple technologies. I'm obviously not a flow meter expert, right? So I'm just trying to understand how you get the data off of this. So you're using a flow meter. You're connecting that flow meter to a data point that you can then send to your servers. And then you're running it through a machine learning model that you, as you get more customers, is getting better and better and better. Because I'm assuming you're recompiling the model on a regular basis and pushing it back out and then uh, running your analysis and you, through customer, some kind of type of customer feedback loop, you're training your model, right? Right. And in fact, we're training the model at two levels. So we're training the meta model at the cloud level, uh, looking for multiple systems. But then every location, every device we install sees different patterns that are unique to that specific location. And so our devices also perform localized learning to adapt what the meta uh, uh, learning algorithm taught them to the local environment. Okay, so let's talk about residential. I don't see the word residential on your website. Am I ever going to be able to buy your system for my house? You know, right now we do not address this market. Uh, Residentials have all sorts of other solutions. Uh, They're fairly low cost and not that advanced technologically. So we prefer to address the uh, commercial market where the problem, the the technological challenge is a much higher barrier and uh, that the amount of solutions available are much lower. Uh, Makes total sense. Yeah. Let's tie it into insurance. I'm an insurance carrier. I insure uh, commercial properties. I'm going to, what, recommend that my customers use WENT as part of their loss control processes? or what? Tell, tell me the tie-in to insurance. I mean, it's obvious that they would want to reduce losses through water damage. Are they going to subsidize this through a premium discount? Are they going to uh, help buy it for their clients? What, what's, the, what's the tie-in to the insurer? Yep. So first of all, it's important to note that we're working with two primary uh, different insurance uh, types. One is your PNC. 
So, you know, just operational property will need to uh, uh, to deploy these things. And then we also work very strongly with com- construction. There's uh, the annual ERMI conference about a month ago in Seattle sure. uh, for construction insurance. Uh, we were pretty well received there, I believe, um, because this is a big problem, not just for operational property, but also for construction. Now, how we work with them is uh, in, in two different ways. Uh, well, actually more than two, I guess. Um, so some insurers will say for specific projects, either you get a solution like this or, you know, we're not game. And we've had a situation in a specific building where the building was above a very sensitive uh, underground station, uh, subway station. And, you know, the damages could be, who knows, right, a leak into the uh, subway station. And so they said, you know, either put systems from wind or similar, or, you know, we're, we're not going to insure this facility. The risk is too high. So that's one way. Another way is uh, reducing deductibles. Now we have insurers who are doing this. And another way is just subsidizing a part of the cost uh, to, the, uh, to, to the customer, whoever they are. So we have insurers who are subsidizing us. It's a fraction of, you know, big insurance policies. So it's not a big deal and it reduces risk for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that makes total sense. That that you're really that's all the tools in the toolkit right there, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> How has adoption been so far and what hurdles are you hitting in both insurers and construction companies and facility owners acquiring this? Do do some of them simply not believe that this type of technology is real, that it works and that it's available? Well, first of all, yes, that's always the problem in early days. I think happily we're we're beyond that. You know, we have some top brand name customers. So I think we're over that hump. The The belief factor is over. To us, I think the biggest challenge now is reaching the market effectively enough and providing this uh, because we're still a small company with limited resources. <laughs> That's really the main barrier to us right now. Yeah. Now your CEO claims to be a diehard American football fan. <laughs> he and, is. And, and I am as well. He also has the same last name as a very good friend of mine from uh, Tel Aviv. So we're going to have to find out if they're uh, distant cousins or not. But Alon, has he taken you to a football game? Did you go to a football game when you lived here? Or do you just not share the same passion for American football? Well, I'm not that kind of a diehard, but I did go to an uh, 49ers game when I was uh, <laughs> out in the Bay Area. So yeah, absolutely. I loved watching football. Alon, you know, he, he's, you know, he will fly to the U.S. just to be there in the Super Bowl night. <laughs> okay, so he's a real nut then. That's my... That's, uh... he, he, well, I can't <laughs> say that. He's my boss. <laughs> he's a football nut. That's a good thing. I'm a football nut. I'm a, I'm a college football nut, though. I, I like pro ball. I love college ball. And, you know, stadiums, speaking of football, have a huge water problem, right? I mean, massive, enormous water problem in stadiums. They leak like sieves. Have you guys actually gotten your technology into a soccer stadium or a football stadium of, of any type yet? Actually, that's interesting. We did not, and I did not know they have such a big problem. So that's excellent, excellent info. Oh, my gosh. Massive. Our sister podcast is The Content Crew, which is all about construction tech, and we've been running that for four years. And we've had a lot of contractors who have built a lot of football stadiums, uh, primarily football, because that's the, the, the big money stadium here in the U.S. Some soccer stadiums, some baseball, some basketball arenas. Uh, but water is such an enormous, massive issue for the for stadiums. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of HVAC and, uh, and plumbing contractors come in and talk about that. And so I was just curious, this, is, this looks like a prime product uh, for a, uh, a very high-profile deployment. 
maybe into uh, maybe into Alon's uh, favorite football team. You know, you got to find out who his favorite is and then then go after him. This is this is a really great team. Let's talk about the business of Went for a second. Are you guys uh, bootstrapped, self funded? Uh, what what's the status of the business? How long have you been in business? And then some idea of the scale of the company. Okay, so we've been in business. It's, we have an interesting history where we started building this technology originally for the home market and decided to transition it about two years ago to the enterprise space. So really in that space, we're playing for two years. Uh, we've been playing for two years, but uh, with technology that's really been stabilized for a much longer period. We have about 3,000 units deployed worldwide at this point, anywhere from New York to California. Uh, you know, if you look at the New York Times, there's an interesting article about the Atlantic Casino Resort. Uh, I believe they're Reno's number one resort, biggest resort. Uh, they're using us. We have large construction companies using us. So we're pushing ahead very well, I think. Let's see, what else can I tell you about the business? Are you, are you guys, guys self-funded? Did you guys bootstrap the business? We did not bootstrap. Uh, we're funded by some of Israel's top angels, uh, people who built amazing startup companies and into very large companies, and they're funding us. Oh, outstanding. We're also, actually, it's interesting. Uh, we have a construction developer owner company who is also funding us, uh, they're, they're an owner of part of the company, and they really uh, you know, decided to invest in the company after they've had the problems, bought the product, loved how effective it was, and today they're running about 40 different construction projects, and in every one of them, they're using Wint, and they're saying that they've never had a construction leak damage after using us, and they did before. Can you say which contractor that is? Yes, I can. They're on our website. They're called Tidhar. It's it's Israel's uh, largest uh, privately held construction company. Outstanding, yeah. It's a uh, multi-billion dollar company. Well, congratulations on that. Congratulations on the uh, the account wins. And uh, wh- where can people go to find out more information? I'm guessing they can go to went.ai and uh, that is correct. And check that out. And uh, you run chief product, your chief product and strategy officer. So, what does your job look like every day? Oh my God, it's crazy. So <laughs> I run the engineering team, the marketing team. I do some of the strategic partnerships and uh, technology roadmap. That's awesome. Well, look, we really appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast. And anything else to tell our listeners out there that are insurance carriers or TPAs or brokers that are listening into this? I think the biggest thing for me is that we can solve a big problem. I think the problem is enormous. They're all telling us how big it is and how currently unsolvable it is. Yeah, give us a call. We'd love to help. That's great. So apply artificial intelligence and sensors to your water problem with Went. Check it out at went.ai. Yaron DCN. Yaron, you got a fascinating background, my friend. I am uh, I'm stoked to have you on the InsureTech Geek podcast. Thanks for joining us and thanks for what you're doing to really solve a big problem for business and a big problem for the world, man. Good. Double win. I'm, I am, uh, I'm fired up to have you on the show and thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks a lot. It's great being here. Really appreciate it. And this has been the InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge. That's jbknowledge.com. We've been all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham. That's jamesbenham.com. I'm your InsureTech Geek. Thanks for joining us this week. And I look forward to talking to you soon. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. Talk to you next time.